This show is about your mental health. While it's supported by the pillars of positivity and hope, if you find yourself in crisis, please reach out for help. In many communities in both the United States and Canada, you can dial 211 to be connected to mental health and crisis services in your region. While it may seem like it at times, you are not alone. Hi there, I'm Kevin Frankish. Welcome to the Happy Molecule. As I speak, I'm walking up Bay Street in downtown Toronto. What's that? Why am I walking? Car in for repairs? Couldn't get an Uber? Missed the bus? No, I'm doing this on purpose. I'm walking to help my mental health. These feet are made for walking right now on the Happy Molecule. This episode, by the way, brought to you by City Parent, Canada's largest award-winning free regional parenting magazine serving families for 35 years. For all things for your family, click to cityparent.com today. There have been a multitude of studies done on the impact walking has on your physical health. We're now realizing, though, the benefits of walking on our mental health. Research has proven that even a short burst of 10 minutes of brisk walking increases your mental alertness, energy, and positive mood. In short, it's the best return on your investment for any exercise there is. Right now, I invite you to join me for a walk, in fact, while you listen to this episode. Push pause on your podcast right now. Go get your shoes and coat on, grab your earbuds, and join me. I'll wait. And we're back. Still walking up Bay Street right now, so hopefully you're outside walking as well. With every step that we're taking, we're doing something good for our heart, our brain, every part of our body, including our mental health. Julie Tom has a wealth of knowledge on movement. She specializes in helping people maintain healthy movement well into their senior years and joins me from her home in Barrie, Ontario. Hi, Julie. Hi, how are you? I am well. Is there such a thing as walking properly? No, not necessarily by walking properly because when we walk, we're activating certain neurological responses in our brain. So when we do forward movement or self-propelled forward movement, it's actually associated to a part of the brain that suppresses a fear response. So if like something's running after you or something's behind you, you can actually move forward or backwards. And so what we want to do is encourage people to walk and as long as you're moving forward and backwards, what you're doing is activating parts of the brain that'll help you feel safe and it's wired for survival. So you're actually, uh, your eyes are connected to your central nervous system. So the fact that when you walk, your eyes have to tell you where you're going. So if you're you know, walking in the city and there's cars, you're seeing the cars and that's you're wired for survival, so you're not gonna get hit. So you are directly connected to your brain through your eye movements. So that's why walking is so beneficial is because of what you're doing, but you're actually activating your brain when you walk. And that's what we're trying to do to, in order to survive. Interesting. Now, take me through what's happening in our body. I was, I was sort of picturing from the ground up. What, what's happening to our feet, our ankles, right up into our brain? So when we're vertical, we have gravity that's pushing on us. And we, as we age and as we, um, yeah, as we age, we want to 
you're only as healthy as your joints. So you want to be able to put as pressure, whenever you put pressure on your joints, it's going to activate them and make them healthier and make them more stable. So when you take a step on the ground, what you're doing is you're activating all the joints in your feet, in your ankle, to the knee, to the hip. All It's, it's a wave. Think of an energy wave. So same thing with the breath or same thing with uh, walking. There's uh, like a shock wave that, uh, that puts tension on the ligaments, the tendons, the muscles, everything in order for you to become strong and healthy. So as we, if you, you know, when we talk about is there a right or wrong way to walk, there's some people that, you know, they may have had an injury or they may have hurt themselves that their arms may not swing right from the shoulder. They may only swing from their elbows or their hip may not be able to get into full extension. So because their back hurts. So what you want to do is in order to help you work through that is to keep walking and to keep working on stabilizing the joints. And in order to do that, it's, you want to be able to put pressure on those joints and walking certainly does that. Now, obviously we want to walk for health benefits, um, but we're talking mental health benefits as well. So when you're doing that, what's, what's the best way to be mindful, to be in the moment when you're walking to get the, the most bang for our mental health buck? Well, this just reminds me of, of um, brings up the 10,000 step rule. So a lot of people have been told, like when you go for a walk, you want to get 10,000 steps or in a day you want to walk 10,000 steps. And what I don't think a lot of people understand is that is actually an arbitrary number. That was actually a number where 10,000 st steps came from is actually a trade name of a, of a pedometer created in 1965 by uh, Dr. Yoshiro Hatano. Yoshiro and he worked for a company called Yamisa. Anyway, so he created a device called Man Po Kai, which literally translates to 10,000 steps. So it was an arbitrary number that they just put out there because that was the name of the device. However, it does reflect, not to say that 10,000 steps isn't right or wrong, it just, it was, it's a number that they felt would help improve longevity and help people get out and move. Because in our modern day society with the cars and everything that we have, we sit too much. That's just point blank. We just, we don't move enough. So if you want to compare to how things were um, in the 19, before the 1950s, even before the cars, everybody walked everywhere and that's just how we got around. So we want to be able to recreate the movement that our ancestors did because there's a lot, um, that's what keeps us healthy is that you, we're, we're designed to move. That's how we explore our environment. That's how we survive. So is there a certain amount that you should take? Um, it's really up to you. Like 10,000 steps is about five miles. So it's a, it's a good goal. So if you can't get there, that's okay. It's not to say that it's bad. You go to the level that you can. So walking, a big piece of the puzzle for me, and if we talk about movement, a lot of people, or if you talk about exercise, a lot of people, they hear the exercise and, you know, they shut down. But when you... you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when we talk about exercise and we talk about movement, it has to be fun in order for people to do it. So whatever type of walking you find pleasure from, then you're, and that you're more likely to do, then that's what I would recommend that people do. Mm. So if you want to walk and get your sweat on, then have at it. If you want to power walk and, you know, just get your 10,000 steps, let's say, then great. If you just want to go out for a casual walk, that's good as well, because all of that is ultimately impacting the brain. And that's what we're after. Because if the brain is activated, then we were, we're much more um, likely to be healthy and improve our longevity.
I don't know if you can answer this, but but is there a benefit to walking the same route, uh, routine, or a benefit to walking something in a route differently, or is it just to keep your interest up? Is there anything that, that sort of keeps your brain active? Um, well, if we're talking about the neurological response, once your brain is used to a certain pattern, it's going to, it. it's like that that neural pathway has been wired. So, you know, you're not gonna learn anything from it. That wire, mm. it's like you could do it backwards, forwards, you know, eyes closed. That's great because your brain knows it. And there's comfort in something that we already know. Sometimes when we change, you know, like you talk about like learning a new habit, if you keep changing the route, your brain's like, oh, I'm not sure. Or I don't know if there's a hill coming up here or there's stairs. Your brain, it may not, it's a little bit more of a threat. So. It depends on the goal is what I, my answer would okay. be with that one. It depends on the person. So if you're a creature of habit and love the same thing, then for sure walk the same path. If you're not, in, but if you're walking to gain benefits such as losing weight or improving your joint strength and stability, then changing the path is fantastic. And that's where you can, you know, talk about walking on an incline or walking on a decline or walking on rocks versus sand versus uh, concrete versus grass. All of those things are fantastic because you're inputting the input on the ground from your foot to the brain is absolutely fantastic. And that's what you, that's what we want. So there's a lot to be said. Like I work, when I work with people, I work a lot with their feet because your feet are the foundation of your movement. And unfortunately, um, this, when synthetic rubber was created, they created these shoes and what shoes do is that it creates a barrier between you and the earth, which then desensitizes you, which then, you know, that creates a barrier between what is actually happening with your body. So if you, you know, take your shoes off and go walk in the grass, you're going to feel much more connected to what you're doing than just walking with a pair of shoes on. So if you want to walk the same path or, you know, one day take your shoes off and go walk in the park, if you're not afraid of <laughs> the needles. fear of what's going to happen, needles <laughs> yeah. or whatever's going to happen in the park, then Badly. fine. Yeah. yeah. But there's, I mean, there's lots of benefits to that, but it goes down, it comes down to what's your goal and, and why, why are you walking? I was just, I was just thinking too, uh, you almost could make walking a bit of a, a meditation, you know, because 100%. A, medita yep. a meditation is supposed to be, you're in the moment. Yes. And, and that's got to have some benefit as well. Absolutely. So they actually have like walking meditation classes. Oh. So that's where they, they um, like, it just, it's all about, at the end of the day, like with walking, it's all about energy transfer and activating the brain and getting our eyes um, moving in order to feel safe. At the end of the day, that's what the brain wants. And so being present in the moment and allowing you to understand what's going on is extremely powerful. And it, it gives you, you know, that center of, okay, you know, like, why am I exercising? Because I want to lose weight. Well, why am I walking? Because it's allowing me to, you know, improve blood flow. I get better oxygen. I have, it drops my heart rate. I actually feel mental health wise, I feel so much better because I'm releasing dopamine. And that's what we all essentially want because it makes us feel good. When's the best time to take a walk during the day? I know, I know the answer may be whenever you feel like it, but sure. is there benefit for the morning? Is there benefit for mid-afternoon, evening? So my answer to this goes along with uh, sunlight. So if we want to talk about, again, because our eyes, our eyes have a big play in this. And I think it's very, no one really talks about the importance of what our eyes do. So my recommendation to my clients is that uh, 15 minutes, 15, like you want to expose your eyes 
in terms in for 15 minutes at sunrise and 15 minutes at sunset and the reason for that is because oh. of the colors and what you're doing when you're doing that you're actually setting a master clock you're resetting your circadian rhythm so if you struggle with sleep this is a big one if you struggle with mental health this is a big one sunlight is energy it is power and by allowing this light to come into your eye you're now resetting this master clock okay okay i, I want to get this right this is this is really interesting so yeah. when you say what do you do? do do you look outside can you be indoors looking yeah. at a window but you, you just want to expose yourself to the daylight that's right so there are so you can actually measure your sunlight with lux that's how you measure your sunlight so you want to get between 50,000 to 100,000 lux a day in order to your for your hormones or your your circadian rhythm your master clock to be set properly and so in the morning it's ideal that you get many of these because it's going to set up it's basically setting up the dominoes for your day in terms of the health if we're going to talk about these health dominoes one of the first health dominoes in terms of energy is getting the sunlight in your eyes as much as possible um like at, at sunrise because of the colors and that's essentially what you're doing and that's why you know they talk about blue blocker glasses so what happens is that when we get too much so we get too much of the light then what happens is that um our our hormones don't know to shut down so the melatonin doesn't get produced and that's why people struggle with falling asleep and that's why you're supposed to turn off mm -hmm. your screens before bed about an hour before bedtime because if you're not you're actually putting input into your light and, or input through your eye into your brain and your brain doesn't know it's time to shut down or uh -huh. to produce melatonin so it's actually a chemical response that you're so after so a walk at sunset would be fantastic. Ideal for That's what's going to help you actually sleep better. So if you struggle with sleep, uh -huh. I recommend a, uh, a walk for about 15. I mean, you can certainly go longer, but it's recommended about 30 minutes a day, especially if you live um, in Canada, because we don't get a lot of sunlight this mm -hmm. time of year that you expose your body to as much as possible. So I actually have a light app that I use every morning just to check what my lux are. So I have an idea of how many that I need, like how much, you know, sit, sitting by a window, you can measure it by, I'm just sitting by a window. That's fantastic. You're just gonna have to sit here a lot longer than if I'm actually outside. That's all. Um, you know, it, 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 I find it unusual, actually a bit sad when I wonder what our ancestors a couple of hundred years ago would be thinking that we're sitting here talking about getting out for a walk and how to walk yeah. properly and making sure you walk at least 15 minutes a day. Right. It's sad, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, I mean, like we're creatures, that's, we are creatures to move. Like it's just, that's what we're born to do. Like if you look at a baby, how do they explore the world? It's through movement. And so without movement, your world just starts decreasing. And so like, walking is something that gets you from point a to point b and it's what it can nourish your soul it can nourish everything like all your ligaments tendons like cardiovascularly your heart all that wonderful stuff there's so many benefits to it it's just we don't make it a priority because of modern day conveniences unfortunately it's just it's so much closer like i have a corner store right across the street that's not helpful i should you know i should walk a little bit further like our ancestors weren't able to do that and that's the unfortunate part so the more things that we can do like the simple health habits that we can create and set up and line up in the day the healthier we will become and the less we'll the less reliant on drugs because we won't need drugs to help us fall asleep we won't need drugs to wake us up in the morning or you know a cup of coffee to be like i need to i need a coffee to to wake me up well 
I guarantee you, if you go outside and start getting used to the sunlight and exposing your eyeballs to the sunlight, that coffee is going to feel a little bit different. The website is fitomize.ca, F-I-T-O-M-I-Z-E. Julie Tom is a health and movement coach. Thank you so much for this, Julie. Thank you, Kevin. More about Julie and her Fitomize program, check out thehappymolecule.com slash links. Carry on walking, my friends. Coming up next, the man who wrote the book on walking, literally. City Parent is Canada's largest award-winning free regional parenting magazine serving families for 35 years. We've recently redesigned our website, cityparent.com, to bring you a new look and feel, along with the latest for babies, education, childcare, camps, family fun, and entertainment. You'll enjoy our wide range of information and advice on products, our book reviews, local event listings, recipes, and health features. Pick up your free copy at convenient pickup locations across the GTA or visit cityparent.com to read digital editions and more. Enter our Sign Up to Win contest for a chance to win a Craftsman Toolkit valued at $449.99. For all things for your family, click to cityparent.com today. And I'm still walking. I'm on uh, College Street right now. Dan Rubenstein is a writer for Carleton University in Ottawa. He is also obsessed with walking, so much so that he wrote a book called Born to Walk, The Transformative Power of a Pedestrian Act. Let's talk about the title of the book first, Born to Walk, The Transformative Power of a Pedestrian Act. And I don't know how many people really, really see what you're saying in that title, a pedestrian act, as opposed to sort of like a, a more routine act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, walking is, is often dismissed or overlooked as something that's boring, that's pedestrian, that's, that's slow, that's not exciting. Um, uh, and, and I think that that sort of character or, or quality to it is very much its, its potential and its appeal. I mean, walking is not, um, as I write in the book, it's not a magic bullet solution to uh, physical and mental health challenges, to social or environmental challenges, but it can help us individually and societally address so many things, even though it's boring old pedestrian walking. Um, so that's where the title comes from. Let's take Dan Rubenstein from 2021 and let's, let, let's teleport him to 1821. They would look at you funny. They would. Walking? Walking? Walking is just getting from here to there. That's all walking is for. Yeah. I mean, uh, over the past 200 years, we've changed a lot <laughs> in terms of <laughs> who we are and, and how we live. You know, we're, we're mostly urban. We're largely sedentary. Um, those are, you know, the, the, we're disconnected from nature and the natural world much more than we were 200 years ago. But you're right. In 1821, if you wanted to get anywhere, you pretty much had to walk. And now we don't do it. It's, it's sort of a, a mode of transportation of last resort. And there's a lot of things that we just we, we don't have access to because because we've changed the pace and the way in which we live our lives. All right, let's start from the beginning, um, because what I'm hoping is I'm hoping that people who are listening to this have decided to go for a walk while they're listening to it and have their earbuds in. So preparing for the walk itself, is there preparation really needed or I just want to go outside and walk? Do you have to get into a mindset in order for walking to have the best impact on your mind and your body? I don't think so. I mean, one, one of the, the, the beautiful and powerful and transformative things about walking is that it's so accessible. I mean, provided you have the physical capacity 
to walk, provided you have the, the, the means to, you know, if it's wintertime to have appropriate warm weather gear, provided you live in a place where there are sidewalks or at least quiet roads, and then the affluence of having the time to do it, pretty much anybody can walk. Um, and I don't, I don't think you need to psych yourself up or get ready for a walk. Um, often when somebody, myself included, is having a, a difficult day or a challenging time, the best thing you can do is get outside and walk. And as you move, as you are in the fresh air, as your body, blood, oxygen, as well as your cognitive process begin to change, that's when you start to feel better. So I don't know if, if sort of preparing ahead of time to come go out and have a good walk and, and, and to make the most of it is going to help, but just getting out and moving, um, sometimes really quickly, you begin to feel a lightness and you begin to feel uh, a shift in perspective and you begin to sense possibilities that you might not have conceived of before. And that's where the, the beauty and the power of walking kind of takes over. And while you're walking, um, do you have any tricks about, about putting yourself into kind of a more mindful way or does that matter? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, you, you, there's almost a duality to it where you could be uh, focused on something specifically, whether it's a problem you're dealing with, the physical or mental or in your family or, or, or uh, one of the, the ills of the world that you're really wrestling with. And you could be focusing on that consciously and address it, or you could disassociate from everything altogether and just let your mind go blank. And the walking in that sense becomes almost a meditative act. And in, in getting distance and space from the challenge, the trouble, the thing that's bugging you, that's when you begin to, to see solutions and, and, and see clarity. Man, you're making this difficult, Dan. I'm, I'm looking for <laughs> intricacies here. I'm looking for techniques. I am looking for equipment. But this is really an incredibly simple, but incredibly effective act. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why walking is, is to go back to the boring pedestrian nature of it, un, un, unpopular, because it's not exciting, because it's not commodifiable. It's, it's not a cure that can be sold to us because nobody's going to make money off it. You know, you don't need a new pair of shoes every few months. You don't need tailor-made gear. You just need a pair of shoes and a bit of space, and you can do it. So it, it's, it's hard to, to sell a walking cure. Um, one of the, the, the people I interviewed for my book is a, is a public health doctor, um, Mike Evans, who, who was in Toronto. I think he's still there. And he said that um, nobody's going to give a hospital a couple million dollars to support a walking promotion program, even though that's the best bang for your buck in terms of improving our health. If you can walk half an hour a day, that's the most effective thing you can do with your time. He argues he made a YouTube video that has millions of hits. When people give money to hospitals, they want a new building with their name on it or a multi-million dollar machine with their name on it. They don't want a walking program. So it, it it's kind of flies under the radar that way because it's so simple, because it's so much at our disposal, we don't need really much support for it. That said, um, any sort of intervention, whether it's infrastructure improvements or programming that encourages people to get out and be active will help. And there's been all sorts of studies um, throughout the UK, largely. Um, they're called social return on investment analysis. And they'll look at uh, a small investment in, in a program that gets lonely seniors out walking with one another. And they'll see that for every pound invested in this program, there's eight pounds of return in terms of improved wellness, reduced prescription drug costs, fewer visits to the, the doctor, that kind of thing. So um, it, it does provide these amazing returns. We just don't tend to in invest resources or time or thought into it because it's so simple and, and so boring in a sense. 
I think cities right now are falling all over themselves, trying to make themselves more bike friendly. So there's, there's more biking lanes. They're, they're taking up some portions of roadways, usually reserved for cars. Not a lot is said, though, about making cities more pedestrian friendly. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see those conversations. So in the same way that, that cities, um, Toronto, Ottawa, where I live as well, are opening up roads uh, on certain days or weekends mm-hmm. for, for bikes, they're also opening up for pedestrians. But we're also seeing conversations about just general walkability. So not the place you go to on a Saturday to go for a two-hour walk or bike ride, but the ability to walk from your home to a supermarket or to a pool or to a park or to a library and having these more interconnected 15 minute neighborhoods. Um, so we, those conversations are starting to happen. Um, again, it's hard to make money off of this, but, mm-hmm. but cities across the country and certainly, uh, certainly across Canada are you know, left and right declaring climate emergencies and building sustainability into their programming and development plans. And with that comes walkability, because if you wanna get people out of their cars, you need to make it easy, convenient, safe and fun for them to be able to walk as part of their their daily routine to walk to bike to take public transit etc so walking is i think is interwoven into the cycling conversation it's part of the transit conversation as well but it doesn't maybe get as much attention because again we keep coming back keep coming back to it because it's 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 pedestrian old walking and it's not a bike and it's not a bus okay so let's get to a question i probably should have asked right off the start and that is why why walking sell it to me as Dr. Mike Evans said, it's the single most effective thing you can do for your health. Whether you have 30 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half, going for a walk almost invariably will make you feel better unless you're writing a book about walking and then you're struggling <laughs> with writer's block and then it becomes a meta narrative in your head that you don't escape from. But by and large, uh, walking will just will make your, your, your body feel better. It'll make your mind feel better. And I think more important than that, perhaps, is that it gives you a really strong visceral connection to the community where you are right now, both to the human ecosystem and the natural ecosystem. So I think a lot of our our psychological problems to focus on mental health are rooted in a disconnect from the people and places around us. So much of our our lives today uh, is mediated through technology. We're, we're, We're looking at one another through a screen. We're texting one another. When we're out in the world, we're often in a car and we're seeing things through, you know, through the windshield at 40, 50, 60, 70, however many kilometers per hour. But if we slow down, if we get out of our cars, if we get off our phones and we engage with the people and places around us, we start to see ourselves as connected to these ecosystems, this human and natural ecosystem. And I think we all crave that and need that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the fact that, you know, for, for the vast majority uh, of our time as a species on this, this planet, we were creatures of nature. We were creatures of foot. We didn't live, you know, in our houses, on our couches, on our screens, in cities. We were in the world and amongst one another by virtue of necessity. And then in the blink of an eye in evolutionary terms, we've cut ourselves off largely from these things. So walking is a way to begin to sow the seeds of reconnection. And when I go out for a walk in my neighborhood, whether it's a, you know, a friendly smile and a hello with a passerby or a dog walker or a neighbor or a stranger, whether it's seeing a bird or feeling the wind or the sun on my face, these little moments add up and make you feel better and they make you want to keep moving. I think one of the, the toughest things, though, for someone who's living with depression uh, is, or anybody who has a mental health disorder of any sort, is that motivation. 
that knowing you want to walk, actually you want to, you want to get out there. It's, it's that motivation. It's that literally taking the first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I certainly don't mean to, to, um, you know, psychological problems, whether it's, it's depression, anxiety, or, or, or others um, in, in many cases do require um, healthcare interventions, whether it's consulting with a doctor, whether it's medication, walking isn't a cure-all. Um, motivation can be a problem, but you know, if I had this question asked me recently, what do you do to get people out the door? Well, if you have 15 minutes and your options are sit at home and scroll Twitter or go outside for 15 minutes, you might as well go outside for 15 minutes and give it a shot. You're probably not gonna feel better after 15 minutes of Twitter, you might feel better after going for a short mm. walk. And it can be literally five minutes. I've, I've done walks around the block just to get out of the house and get a bit of fresh air and feel better. So you're right, taking that first step is a problem. But because it's so accessible, because it's literally outside the door of where you are right now, uh, the, the, the barrier to entry is, is limited. Um, I've had people ask me frequently, where's your favorite place to walk? And my answer is always the same. It's it's from where I am to where I need to go. <laughs> and it's just kind of picking a line and following it, you know, ideally to somewhere I've never been, ideally along a route I've never been on. And you never know what you're going to see or discover along the way. And it's those serendipitous encounters, those, those unprogrammed, unalgorithmized moments. That's where the beauty happens. That's where the fun happens. And that's where the sense of, of possibility and awakening comes from. Five minutes, what, what good is five minutes going to do for me? What good is 20 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour? Are, are there different thresholds you cross the longer you walk? I, I see the half hour figure kind of um, touted as uh, 30 minutes a day of, of any activity is good for you, whether it's you know, high, high output cardio workouts or running or, 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 or even walking. So 30 minutes is, is, a, is a good target. But five minutes is better than zero minutes. And five minutes can be a stepping stone to 10 minutes, to mm-hmm. 15 minutes, et cetera. Um, and both physical and mental, right? If, 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 if physical capacity is a challenge, then you need to build up incrementally and carefully and safely to be able to walk half hour a day. If, if five minutes is a psychological kind of barrier where you just don't feel the motivation, you don't want to be outside and active and you give it a shot and you say, hey, that, that wasn't bad. Maybe I'll try it again tomorrow and maybe I'll go for 10 minutes. So it's, it's, it's a stepping stone. I mean, one of the, I think the powerful kind of metaphors about walking is that if you have a, a, a distant target or a distant goal or objective, that can be really daunting. If you think I'm here and I need to get there on this project in my head, in my life, that's really far away. I'm never going to get there much the same as, as, as a long walk. You know, I'm, I'm not going to snap my fingers and be 30 kilometers further down the trail. You get there with a series of steps, one step after the other. And that, I think walking not only is physically one step after the other to get around the block, to do the half hour or whatever, it also shows you as you're moving that you can make progress, however small, towards a goal, however far. Having a destination, though, so I think sometimes kind of almost defeats the purpose of that, that, that peacefulness and the serenity that you, you want to get out of it. Yeah, it can, but it... But, but also, I mean, having, having a sense of purpose, whether it's, you know, uh, buying milk or putting something in the mailbox, you know, it just, it gives you a target. Wait, 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 hold on. Putting something in the <laughs> mailbox. Uh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a rare occurrence, but <laughs> it, it, it does still happen. And, I, you know, as, as we, especially now amid the pandemic, have become so accustomed to hitting buttons and having things brought to us, we forget mm-hmm. that we can go 
get these things, do these things safely. And that gets us out of the house, out of our heads, gets us moving, gets us encountering people. I've seen a bunch of stories and studies over the past few months that talk about the importance of uh, quote unquote weak tie relationships. So the, the dog walker you smile and, and nod to, or the person you buy your coffee from, or the bus driver you banter with briefly. When we stop interacting with people, we lose these little weak tie relationships. And they're actually way more significant than we might have thought they are. And they build up and they give you the sense of connection and community. Um, so getting out walking gets you into contact with people. Um, you know, you don't need the destination. You don't need the letter in your hand or the, or the, the bag of milk to pick up. But having that sense of purpose might get you out the door. Should my heart be beating fast? Should I get it beating fast? Should I be sweating by the, by the time it's done? Depends on your goals. I mean, if, if, if your goal is to, is to lose weight and to uh, improve your lung capacity, then a longer, harder walk is good. But if, if your goal is restoration and relaxation, not necessarily. Um, any, any pace is fine. I mean, I think most people would walk at three to four kilometers an hour. Uh, I've, I've done some hikes where I had to cover a lot of distance in a limited amount of time. So it would really push it to six or so kilometers an hour. So that's kind of the, 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 the range, but you know, unless your goal is, is aerobic and, and sort of health related that way, there's no need to, to break a sweat. What do you do while you're walking? Do you, do you listen to music? Do you, do you, what do you do usually? Good question. Uh, it, it totally depends. I mean, sometimes I do listen to music. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. Sometimes uh, I listen to just the sounds around me. Uh, I've, I've spent some time over the years with the acoustic ecologists who study the sounds of nature. And they've taught me the importance of listening and of, of being connected in an auditory level to your surroundings. Um, that said, if you're, if you're going for 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, uh, it gets a little boring sometimes. So having a bit of stimulation in your ears can help. But I find that when I listen to podcasts, however engaging they can be, uh, I'll do respect. Watch what you say next. Yeah. Uh, so, sometimes they become kind of white noise and mm -hmm. it just becomes almost like a human background chatter to me. And, uh, and I find that, you know, minutes and minutes have passed, kilometers have passed and I'm still moving and I haven't really paid attention to what I'm listening to. So I tend not to listen to anything that I, I really want to hear. Too that carefully. you want to concentrate on. Yeah, exactly. I can't do audio books because I lose, I lose the, the, the page. Yeah. I've, I've also heard we were never meant, our brains were never meant to process what we see at a hundred kilometers an hour. It's just way too much information. However, our brains do a much better job processing information at, like you say, three, four kilometers an hour. Exactly. Yeah. So when, when you're walking down the road and you see somebody in the distance and you're, you're slowly approaching one another, uh, we're hardwired to take in the cues from the surroundings, from this figure in the distance, from everything around us, from their body language and their facial expressions. So when the time we encounter them and pass, you kind of know who it is and you know what they're about. When you're zipping past in a car, you don't have this interaction. When you're dealing with somebody and engaging with them online, you don't have the same interaction as well. So it's a very human way to pick up cues from your environment and have a very human interaction. Um, one of the most interesting studies uh, that, I, that I wrote about in, in my book um, uh, was a control group experiment uh, that involved uh, a few teenagers sort of hanging out in a park. And people passed by this, um, this scene uh, in, you know, in, in, a, in a car moving quickly, in a bus, on a bike, and while walking. And then they were surveyed afterwards by the researchers to get their impressions of 
the teenagers they had witnessed in the park. And observations ranged from uh, the, the study subjects who were in the car saying there's a bunch of teenagers up to no good in the park to the person on a bike saying, oh, I think I might know one of those kids to the person walking, talking to them and figuring out who they are, what they're about, and they're just teenagers having fun. So we perceive things differently when we pass mm -hmm. by. We get a really thin or superficial slice of the action as opposed to walking by at three kilometers an hour and engaging with it, it with all of our senses. Uh, I, walking on Water is uh, your next book, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, uh, much as, as, as walking, um, one of the things I love about it is its ability to connect us to the human and natural ecosystems where we are. Uh, walking on water or stand-up paddleboarding is an intimate way to connect with an aquatic environment. And um, much in the same way as we've kind of been disconnected from the world around us, we've really turned our backs on water. Um, you can see in cities, although it's starting to change, you know, even though our cities are located where they are because of the port on the lake or on the river and the ocean, that land became industrial, became transportation corridors, the cities built up otherwise, and we kind of neglected water in, in our cities, became backwaters. And I think sort of rediscovering uh, our aquatic um, kind of landscape is important. We need water much the same as we need nature. We need it to drink. We need it to grow our crops. We have this evolutionary connection to it. So the next book will hopefully explore some of these themes um, from the lens of a guy in a stand-up paddleboard. And I mean, that would be incredible for your mental health as well. Yeah. Uh, spending time in aquatic environments, uh, which researchers call blue space. Um, the research is, is sort of preliminary, but very promising. And it's showing that the, the benefits of spending time, you know, either on water or near water, um, are more pronounced in the benefits of spending time in nature. So, you know, you think of the going for a walk in the woods, forest bathing and, and soaking up all the restorative properties of, of being amongst the trees and, and, and animals, animals of forest, really healthy for you. If you're on a beach, it might be even better for you. And, uh, and, and, and sort of quantifying the psychological and physical health benefits could help shift uh, our policy and planning and get us to reprioritize the aquatic environments in our communities um, for the benefit of all of us. The book is Born to Walk, The Transformative Power of a Pedestrian Act. Dan uh, Rubenstein has been uh, talking with me from Ottawa. Thank you for this, Dan. Thank you very much, Kevin. Really appreciate your interest. To check out Dan's book and find out more about what he has to say about walking, go to thehappymolecule.com slash links. Next episode, weaving your way through the traffic of mental health treatment. When does your anxiety and depression become serious enough to seek help? Where should you go? In fact, what are all the different options for treatment? Mental Health 101, next time on The Happy Molecule. Until then, enjoy the rest of your walk. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and also check out The Happy Molecule Extra at thehappymolecule.com. There you'll find a link to a video version of this episode. Be able to join the conversation about mental health, learn about our Facebook Live show, and get a preview of upcoming episodes. You can email us at thehappymolecule at gmail.com. I'm Erin Davis, wishing you good mental health.